But yeah, so the Holy Spirit sanctifies, as we talked about last week. We talked about that being an internal work, and not first an external work, but the sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit taking place inside of us, and being different from our justification, in that our justification is an alien righteousness, a righteousness that's not of our own, but it's credited to our account from Jesus Christ. But in sanctification, we are actually growing in personal holiness, slowly but surely, until the day we die, until we're glorified. Um, but we talked about how the significant it was for that to be an internal work. So we don't first fix the outside. We seek to be transformed. We seek to be renewed in the spirit of our minds. And that's where change comes from, because something has changed inside of us. So that's what we want to focus on. And still faith in Christ, too. It's still not our own, all about our effort, even though we do obey God's commands and we do discipline ourselves for the purpose of godliness, but it's still, first and foremost, the work of God inside of us. But tonight we're looking at the gift of, or the gifts he gives to believers, the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And we're going to speak very generally tonight about those, and the next week we'll talk about um, miraculous gifts, whether they're still for today or not. We'll talk about that next week. So we'll just do a big introduction, broad introduction to spiritual gifts. Um, Pastor Mike, he covered the First Peter 4 reference a few weeks ago. Um, that's just one out of four that the New Testament talks about. So we'll, we'll kind of look at a shotgun approach to all four main texts to the gifts. Let's pray before we move any further, though. Lord, thank you for our time now. I do pray that we'll use it wisely. And I pray, Lord, that we would be renewed in the spirit of our mind, Lord. And as we read your word, as we study your word, as we meditate on it, Lord, I pray that it would be what changes us. And, Lord, that we would not be conformed to the world around us. And all the things that, are, that try to attract our attention and the things that are attractive to us, Lord, I do pray that you'll help us to be, first and foremost, attracted to your word, Lord, and love it. Like the psalmist in Psalm 119, Lord, just constantly desiring for your word, panting for it. I pray we'd be those kind of people. And I do pray, Lord, that you'd help us this week to do what we do in the power of the Holy Spirit and not try to do it in the flesh. And we do pray us all in Christ's name. Amen. Okay, so what are the, those main four texts we're going to talk about with the gifts of the Holy Spirit? There's four texts, and the, there's a good way to remember them in terms of their numbers, the chapter numbers. But you have, you guys have the notes there? Yeah, Romans, Romans 12. And then there's another 12. And then there's a couple fours, Ephesians 4. So I like that. That's a really good way to have it memorized. And then there's another four. Right. Those four passages. We're going to study all those in detail over the next 30 minutes. I'm kidding. Now, yeah, you can figure out something, but I'm not sure what it is, but you can probably figure out something mystical with the numbers, you know. Um, but yeah, so that's a good way to, to, to memorize them. Just to know if someone, hey, says, hey, what about spiritual gifts? You, and you wanted to have a sit-down conversation, you could say, yeah, I remember there's two twelves and two fours. Be like, yes, uh, Matthew 12, and uh, I can't remember now. No, but that's a good way to memorize it and work someone through those passages. But yeah, let's see. Let's take some observations on these, though. Yeah, you can see in 3.2.6.1, you can talk about their orientations, 
and then talk about whether these are endowments or special abilities or what, what, what they are, where they came from, and talk about how their qualities uh, that are, and many of them are expected of every believer, some of these gifts, um, and how this list may not be exhaustive. We'll also make a note on that. And then look at some notes, some important notes on 1 Corinthians 12 and 14. And then conclude this afternoon with that every believer has a spiritual gift. So that's what we're looking at today. But uh, take a look at the first one there. Their basic orientations differ. Now, I might have given you a blank for that. Okay. The blank above that is the Holy Spirit gives gifts to believers. Okay. Um, but let's look, uh, look, let's look how the, uh, well, that's the question up front. Are these four passages, are they all identical? Okay. No. And is there any overlap with those passages? Yeah, there's a little, there's a little bit of overlap. Yeah. Um, but they, all, all four tend to emphasize certain things. So let's look at those real quick. You have Ephesians 4, 11. Let's look at the list there. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. What do those all have in common? Right, leadership, yeah. And particular leadership for what institution? For Red Bull or for... <laughs> yeah, for the church, yeah. For the church. So church leaders in Ephesians 4. And then Romans 12, 1 Peter 4. Uh, 1 Peter 4 talks about speaking, talks about service. Very short list in 1 Peter 4, but still talks about them nonetheless. And then Romans 12, you have prophecy, service, teaching, exhortation, liberality, giving aid, acts of mercy. How could we summarize all those? Okay. Okay, that's a good way. Yeah, that's a good way of putting it. Yeah, the uh, and that's clearly how it goes in the grammar too. They're talking about offices like apostle, teacher. You know, um, so that's a good way of putting it. Very good way of putting it. And then if you look at the other list, prophecy is an act. He's not. He didn't say. Um, but you get the idea there. But the the big difference is Romans 12, First Peter, Peter 4 is pretty uh, pretty comprehensive in terms of it's talking about basic functions in the church. It's not talking about a specific group of people. It's talking about the church as a whole. And many people in the church could fit into those categories. Um, and then uh, 1 Corinthians 12, again, there's overlap in 1 Corinthians 12 because you talk about wisdom, knowledge, faith, healing. Uh, it mentions prophecy there as well. But the emphasis there would be on special abilities and some of them being the miraculous gifts which I'll want to argue in a minute that they're all miraculous. So we'll talk about that in a minute. But, um, but if you look at the last note there under that first point, most common distinction that people note is the difference. Well, when people talk about speaking in tongues, we tend to call that, we tend to categorize that into a particular type of group. There are two S words that we use for both groups. Some of, the, some of the words like um, administration helps, um, we put that in one category and then we put the miraculous gifts or what we call miraculous gifts into another category. Remember those two S words for those? You remember? We talked about sign gifts and service gifts. 
sign gifts and service gifts. Now we're not going to get into today. This is we have a special talk for it next week already for, uh, planned out, where we're going to talk about um, whether these are still in operation today. But when it comes to saying, in so many words, I'm a cessationist or I'm a continuationist or I'm open to whatever, but I'm kind of cautious about both. You know that kind of approach. Uh, it's always over the sign gifts. No one's really debating these, okay? Um, no one's really debating the gift of, of administration or helps or exhortation, that kind of thing. Um, so those are the two most common distinctions, or that's the most common distinction made when people study this. But well, that's kind of a preview for next week. Okay, another question. Uh, do these passages specify if these gifts are something that people have from birth? No, so we can answer the, spe the passages don't specify that, right? It doesn't say that. Um, but does it specify that they're received at a later time? Mm -hmm. Right. He does assign them to believers, but does he assign them before conversion? Well, the point is it doesn't specify, right? It doesn't actually say it in these passages directly. Or maybe it's a combination of the two. Maybe Wendell grows up with a certain gift or ability or talent, and then the Holy Spirit maybe adds a spiritual gift to that to make it better. Is it a combination? So those, those are kind of the questions people will ask. But let's look at it a little bit more. Okay. Which that, 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 could, that could be the case, right, where it's something that he's decreed, but it has not taken place yet in time, space, and history. Um, that could be the case, too. Um, what we do know is that these are supernatural gifts, aren't they? And what do we mean by supernatural? Magical? Right. 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 Yeah, so I'd say they I say they're supernatural because they're gifts of the Holy Spirit. <laughs> they're not gifts that we give to ourselves. Something coming from, in other words, outside of, of our nature, coming from something outside of us. Something that like we were like you said, in the flesh we're not gonna naturally do. Um, so that's a good way of putting it. Um, because they're supernatural, I'll also say that that's why it's tough to say or ask the question, are miraculous gifts still for today? The question we're going to ask next week. Well, they're all miraculous. I mean, they're all from the Holy Spirit. They're all, they're, none of them come from some innate abilities and greatness that we have inside of us, but they come, they're gifts that are given to us by the Holy Spirit. Does that make sense? So in that sense, they're all miraculous. It just, some tend to be out front and make a bigger display. Like tongues, we'll talk about that uh, again next week. Um, but because of that, I would say by implication, it's not a direct statement, but by implication, I'd say that these are gifts given at regeneration, regeneration of the believer. And then the gifts, are these, whatever these gifts are for a particular person, the Holy Spirit gives it to them whenever they become a child of God. So I'd say that's by implication. And could they overlap with someone's natural talents? Mm -hmm. and maybe something that was but now is used in a different direction. Right. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I would say that the Holy Spirit is not bound to operate within the person's natural, you know, maybe natural talents. So they are maybe some talents, you know, cultivated from childhood. He's not bound to use those. Um, and one thing I would say was, is this, if I just to illustrate that point. Some people say, oh, you know, I wish so-and-so would become a believer because, man, that guy can really communicate. He can really talk. I bet you he'd make a great preacher, just if he ever became a believer, though. Or maybe we say, wow, that businessman, man, he is so organized. If we could just get him saved and in the church, he could run this place so smoothly and we'd never have any problems. What's the problem with that kind of thinking? Or is there a problem with that kind of thinking? Okay. But I think it gets to a selfish, or it pretty quickly goes to a selfish side. You know, mm-hmm. you know what, what is the real heart behind this? Right. Yeah, so I say from our standpoint, if we say something like that, I would definitely want to say check our motives. Why do we want that person to get saved? Or why do we want the Lord to save that person? Is it for God's glory, or is it because we think he's going to give us a better organizational you know, persona or whatever? Right. Or yeah, or yeah, or you said force is false, a false conversion? Right. Just to make something make make you trickier into think deceive yourself into thinking the guy is a Christian whenever he's not. So that would be a danger on our end. But the danger on his end, um, and then maybe making him think he's in that the Holy Spirit might not have gifted him to be a preacher. Just because he can talk well doesn't mean he's been gifted by the Holy Spirit to preach. That's the whole point. So that could be a dangerous thing. So I think could God use his natural talents for his glory and for a particular area that um, has been well fit for for the world and maybe his own pursuits and change in those directions? Sure. I think maybe something like that happened with Apostle Paul because zeal was something that I think Paul had before he was a believer and after he was a believer. Before he was a believer, I mean, he was zealous to squelch out the church and to, to snuff it out. And I think he reapplied all that zeal and more to, to growing the church and presenting the gospel. So there are some carryovers, I think, that could happen. But the point is, they're, su- they're supernatural gifts, and the Holy Spirit is not bound to things like that. In other words, he could use a guy who couldn't talk and say, hey, I'm going to give you the gift to, to preach, gotten my word, so that the power can be demonstrated that it's my power, not your power. David says amen. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And if Apostle Paul, if if the Apostle Paul wasn't just being modest, you know, um, he talked down how well he could actually speak in front of people, but said, you know, his, his weight, his letters are, you know, he's a great writer, but but his speech is contemptible. Um, you know, whether he's saying legitimately, hey, I'm not that great of a speaker. Maybe that, that's what he's saying there. The point is God's still using him to, to present the gospel to, to the known world at the time. So, and Moses, yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and Jeremiah. Jeremiah chapter 1, if you read that, is, that's all God's gifting. So I don't know how to talk, <laughs> but it was going to be something God was going to help him do. So that's encouraging for me, and I think it's encouraging for every believer, whenever a believer grasps this truth, thinking, okay, 
people keep telling me to use my spiritual gift, but I feel like I'm not qualified. Well, the point is the Holy Spirit's the one doing the work, and he's qualifying us by giving us these gifts. And then when you start using them, you start saying, wow, this is, this is great. You start worshiping God more in that area because you see that he's using you, and it's not your own power. So I think it's a great thing, and it gives him all the glory. And the glory's not going to ourselves. So that's why I think God's often pleased to use people who are not wise, not noble, the foolish things of the world, shame the wise. So, next, uh, some gifts are, are qualities or activities. Some of these things that we're talking about are expected of every Christian. Faith in 1 Corinthians 12 is one of the gifts mentioned. Are only the people gifted with the, the Holy Spirit's special gift of faith? Are they the only ones responsible to exercise faith? One of the gifts is faith in 1 Corinthians 12. So does that mean that only people with the gift of faith are supposed to have faith? Okay. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. Right, that's a good way of putting it. So with the example of faith, someone has, people in this church even, have the gift of faith. And probably some people who aren't really using that gift yet that haven't, we don't even know about it yet. And when they do show it, it's going to be a neat thing. Um, but maybe we'll say the gift of faith is, it's not optimism, okay? But maybe there's a room of pessimists. <laughs> And they say, no, we can't, no, we're not going to do this. We're not going to, no, God couldn't do this. You know, you know how those go in some meetings. But the guy with, the gal with the gift of faith says, no, God can really do this. And there's a real confidence in God, and it's able to encourage, in other words, edify the other believers in the room by the one person saying, no, God can really do this. Really trust in God. And people are like, yeah, you're right. <laughs> you know, why, why were we all saying God couldn't do it? You know, so I think that could be, what's that? Right, yeah. Right. Yeah. Sometimes it takes that one person with real confidence in God. Not that all the other people are apostate. It's just they're having a trouble. They're having trouble doubting at the time. Um, so that's what I mean. Right. So every believer, in order to be a believer, to be in Christ, you have to have faith. That's the only way to be in Christ. But then it is a special gift too that people can exercise in a way that's really edifying to the body of Christ. Um, yeah. And the gift of spying, I'm not sure if that's actually a gift, but <laughs> that's close to the gift of gossip, which those aren't actually gifts of the Spirit. Um, but yeah, you're right, Steve, too. It's not just faith, it's service. We're all called to serve each other. Um, so, and in some way, we all teach, don't we? we? If we have kids and grandkids, we better be teaching them. But again, there are things that 
you know, these are special gifts the Holy Spirit gives to individuals. Um, and I think we need to exercise them accordingly, as First as Peter says. All right, this is a question that people often bring up whenever they're talking about spiritual gifts. But you look at those four lists, and they are comprehensive in, in terms of, you know, they cover a lot of ground. But are they exhaustive? Do they, are there spiritual gifts out there that aren't mentioned in those passages? I, uh, I'm bringing this up because people always bring up this point. I've heard it on the Christian radio. I've heard it in classes or whatever. You know, people usually bring up this point. So I want you to at least think about it if you haven't before. What, what were you thinking, Wendell? Right. Right. So this, this is a point that I'm not going to make a huge deal about. I just wanted to emphasize it here for a moment so you can think through it because you'll hear it again if you haven't already. Um, I tend to think that they are, they do, all those passages together do list the spiritual gifts that God wants us to know about and that the Holy Spirit uses on a regular basis, you know, in his church, speaking generally, okay? I tend to think that it's, it mentions all of them. Um, people say, though, this is the main argument, they say they look at all four passages, and because they're all a little bit different, there could be another list out there that is still the same. It could add to it. Does that make sense? Right. I mean, maybe not putting it to a particular letter. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. Yes, yeah, so I, I would want to be careful on this point. Um, and again, it's it's these are from really great teachers who say who but who say this, but it's more of a speculation thing, more of an implication thing. They think okay, because because all those lists, in other words, they see these four lists by themselves is incomplete. So they think because they're incomplete, maybe they're not talking, maybe there's still more they could have talked about. So that's their line of reasoning. That's the only line of reasoning I've heard. I mean, you might, you might get some more arguments from them as to why they believe that. Um, but, uh, but I would say let's just stick, I'd say let's stick with what we we're reading here so far. <laughs> I'd say it's definitely the safer thing. And that way when someone comes up with some crazy idea, as they will and probably already have, hey, this is a spiritual gift that the Bible doesn't talk about. Look at it. And then how are you going to dispute it? If you said over here, well, I mean, they're probably, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So I think maybe just be careful about that. I'm not going to argue with someone all day about it, though. You know what I mean? I, I think it's more of a discernment gift, yeah. Yeah. Um. Mm-hmm. 
Right. Yeah, I think it can mean that. Again, one application of all this is don't assign yourself a spiritual gift. And what I mean by, I'm not talking about you, I'm talking about people I've talked to in the past who will be saying things doctrinally that are way off. And the, you know, the, the general tenor of their conversations will be outside of Scripture. And then they'll, then they'll make a pronouncement on you. Like, oh, I can tell that you have the Holy Spirit. Or I can tell you, can't, you don't have the Holy Spirit. And you're, like, you're thinking, how do they know that about me? Everything they've been saying so far has been outside of Scripture. Now all of a sudden I'm going to believe them if they think they have the, can discern the spirits, you know. Um, so that's one thing to be careful about. And not assigning yourself the gift, you know what I mean? Again, I'm not talking about you. I'm t I have a couple people in mind that you were strangers that I met one day, and they told me something like that, and I thought, that's kind of strange, you know. Um, but anyway, so I, I tend to think that the Holy Spirit has given us the gifts we need to know about, and these are the gifts that he's given to his church, and let's just study those, and let's seek, let's seek these things, and seek to um, use them in the church and to edify other believers. I think it's where we should leave it. Well, that's the one exception. <laughs> well, you sure you didn't want to see it? <laughs> uh, yeah, I think in theology too, I think they'll be talking about demonology and Satanology and we're talking about probably the gift of levitation there. Um, there's, there's some stuff that I do believe that the, the world forces of this darkness, things that, that could happen that are right. In terms of supernatural, yeah. Evil is supernatural, yeah. Now, again, we don't want to go demon hunting. That's not the goal. Sorry, David. The, de the, the movie's about it? <laughs> no, I mean, that, yeah, that's, that's what happened. I guess, uh, I don't know, back, back in the, um, like in the medieval days, um, they would do stuff like that, uh, go and take down, I don't know, witches, or, you know, and, uh, just crazy things that people still do. <laughs> Our struggle is not against flesh and blood. <laughs> uh, all right, so let's look at a few notes here, and we'll, we'll conclude on this. Um, notes on 1 Corinthians 12 and 14. We call these qualifiers, too. So if we look down at those, kind of keep our fingers in those chapters. Um, The gifts are bestowed on the body, or on the church. As such, they are for the edification of the whole body, not the advancement of the individual. That's a very important point. What does this word mean? Build up. Yeah. Not edumacation, <laughs> which you get it from, you know. Yeah, to build up. So I'll read that again. The gifts are bestowed on the body 
for the edification of the whole body, not for the advancement of the individual. So look at 12.7. Uh, but to each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit. And the point that we're making right now is for what? Well, in particular, in verse 7 there, it says, for the common good. Right. So, now, again, it's for the common good. It's for the whole church, not just for one person. Okay? And that's an important point to make as we talk, as we will transition into next week in the gift of tongues and that kind of thing, where it, and many times it's abused um, in such a way that it's to promote the individual or to talk about the status of that individual. And other people are just recognizing that and thinking, wow, that person's made it to the next level. So that's an important qualification to make. And uh, for 14.5, uh, Now I wish that you all spoke in tongues, but even more that you'd prophesy. And greater is one who prophesies than one who speaks in tongues, unless he interprets so that the church may receive edifying. So again, another abuse of, of people with tongues today, it's easy to argue against, is if no one's interpreting, and I think in many cases, at least what you see on the internet and people like, in places like that, it's just all a bunch of gobbledygook and no one's interpreting anything. So even if it were still in operation as it was in the first century, it better be interpreted because it's for edification of the whole body, not for the promotion of that individual, okay? And that's a very important point to make. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay. You better. You better fake it then, right? If you Right. Is that, I mean, we're talking about speaking for truth and what we just not not actually telling the future. Right. Okay. Yeah, I think you need definitely need to take it by context, but it seems to be here in such a way that it is proclaiming truth. Okay. And that's what it seems to look like right there. I, And you, I think some, some instances in, in, in the New Testament are very clear that it's easy to distinguish, you know, how you should. It's the same word either way, so it's not two different Greek words. It's the same Greek word, but. That was only very confusing mm -hmm. in earlier days because right. it seemed like, I, I, never, I never heard it that prophecy is also just speaking for biblical truth. Mm -hmm. I always thought it was the word revelation. Right. Right. Yeah, so I think uh, it could be confusing, but yeah, I think you need to take it by context. And the way he seems to be talking about it here is something that's edifying for the church. Um, so prophecies, 
I'd like to think about it some more. I haven't studied this particular chapter in super great detail and really nailed it down every every thing you want to do if you were to preach through it, you know. But uh, but often prophecy could be in in terms of preaching, you know, just preaching God's word. So in that sense, in that sense, every preacher should be prophetic, you know. But uh, being careful how we how we define that, you know. So yeah, and then in verse twelve down below. Um, seek to abound for the edification of the church. So that's the whole goal of the spiritual gifts is to edify the church. That's the whole thing we want to talk about. Um, and that's one of the biggest keys to this whole discussion is what's the purpose of spiritual gifts? And I think many times we go off on that very first fundamental question and think, okay, it's just to promote somebody or just to get to the next level of Christianity or something like that. But no, it's, it's for the edification of the whole church, a service role for the whole church. Um, no one person has all the gifts. And that's an important point to make, too. <laughs> no, no one person who can do the whole church thing by himself, make sure everything needs to go exactly as everything should go by himself. That's impossible. That'd be like... Uh, you know, some of those old kids' cartoons where it's just a brain, you know, and the brain is able to do everything and make all the plans for all the other villains and that kind of thing. Um, <laughs> it's not like that, okay, in the church. It's everyone doing, everyone contributing, okay? The kingdom? Oh, yes, yeah. Right. <laughs> why do you think yeah I think that's why there's a lot of people retiring from pastoral ministry early because they are expected to have all the gifts <laughs> and why isn't this church healthy why isn't this church doing such and such well you expected that guy to do everything you know yeah where right oh yes yes yeah yeah David's in that David's in that ministry context where um rural churches where they've expected one guy to do it for for decades and uh, whenever I worked at camp in Alabama the churches we visited were identical um, a handful of old folk there the sweetest people in the world but they had this idea that the one guy did everything you know except for the deacons who you know make sure the pastor did what he's supposed to make sure the pastor did what he's supposed to do <laughs> um, they would they would clean the building every now and then you know but uh, um, so <laughs> Um, so yeah, that that I mean, some some of those churches there are the sweetest people in the world, but I think this is a very big hole in, in many of the old rural rural churches. Um, Wendell, you can say something. Okay. Um, yeah. So, nor is any one gift given to every person. So the point we're making is that no one has all the gifts, and there's not one gift that's given to everybody. Okay. And those are points we're making from chapter twelve. The whole body of believers, everyone in the body of Christ, needs the other. That's how it works. Um, so that's a really important thing. And, and for this church, you know, we want, to be a, we want to be a church planting church. And the only way we're going to do that is if we get this idea of spiritual gifts right. And if we're actually all exercising our spiritual gift. Because there's no way we could be strong enough here 
to say, okay, let's go plant something else somewhere else. Because we're going to want, wherever that other place is, we're going to want to reproduce whatever we have here. And if we have no body of believers exercising their spiritual gifts, if that is not able to reproduce itself, then we're not going to be able to reproduce another church. It won't be a church. So that's the whole point. We really want to make sure we have this down. And I do believe the Holy Spirit will help us. I do believe he will. Um, all gifts are important, true or false? Are all gifts equally prominent, though? No. And that's another uh, important point to make. Um Verse 22, chapter 14. Chapter 14. Oh, yes, yes. Um, on the contrary, it is much truer that the members of the body, which seem to be weaker, are necessary. So the point, members that seem to be weaker, which that's always, always going to be. There's always going to be members that we think, ah, oh, that person's not as important. But that's a, that's a fatal way of thinking because... He might look less important, but he's just, he's very important. He's equally important. He's necessary, or she is necessary for this whole thing to work. And we all know that. The illustration we always use is the pinky toe. <laughs> if you hit your pinky toe on this thing right here, you're all, you know, if you hit it hard enough, you're actually going to fall <laughs> and hold your foot in pain. And we've all done that. <laughs> so that little toe that you never thought was very important, all of a sudden it's become the most more important part of the body. Um, so they're all equally important but not all stand out as much, okay? So verse 23, And those members of the body which we deem less honorable, on these we bestow more abundant honor, and our less presentable members become much more presentable, whereas our more presentable members have no need of it. But God has so composed the body, giving more abundant honor to that member which lacked, so that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. And if one member suffers, pinky toe suffers, all the members suffer with it. If one member is honored, all the members are, are rejoice with it. <laughs> Sorry, Wendell. <laughs> yeah, but that, that pinky toe is a perfect illustration. I think I've heard that illustration a hundred times growing up, but it, it never stops to be the best one because it quite illustrates what we're doing here. So they're all important, but not they're equally important, but not equally prominent. The Holy Spirit, the next point here, the Holy Spirit apportions the various gifts to whom and as he wills. Look at verse 11, read chapter 12. We just read it. Or no, we haven't read this verse yet. But, but one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually just as he wills, just according to his desire. He's going to do this. So again, these are gifts of the Holy Spirit, and they are supernatural. And it's not something that, uh, this, this is kind of a neat thought. Are you in control of the spiritual gift that you are given? I don't think you are. I, th I, I mean, it clearly says, it's just as he wills. Like, it's just something that he gives you. And that's an exciting thing. As if you think about it, it's an exciting thing. It's not like, oh, why'd you stick me with this gift, you know? I think it's an exciting thing. God, you knew exactly, you know, my frame, you know exactly what I'm like, and you know exactly what spiritual gift to give me so that I can edify your church. And that's a cool thought. In what way is it scary? Well, I mean, as a believer, when I started out, I don't want to get smacked on the mouth for trying 
Right. Yeah, no, I, I think I knew what you were going to say, but that, yeah, it is. It can be a scary thing in terms of responsibility. Thinking, Lord, I didn't ask for this, but you sure I can do this? And He says, Yeah, I'm sure I'm the one who gave you the ability to do it. So, so yeah, responsibility can be a scary thing, but we can trust Him to help us. And we've just read in this passage, or in, this, in that verse, and. Uh, um, and verse 7, to each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. We see in those passages, and look over at First Timothy, or First Peter, sorry, 4. First Peter 4, uh, verse 10, talks about some of the gifts in verse 11, but looking back up at verse 10, as each one has received a special gift employing it and serving one another as good stewards in the manifold grace of God. Each one has received a gift. Now, do you believe this? There are some believers that I've talked to who didn't know that. Who didn't know that every believer has been given a spiritual gift. I've talked to believers and they said, I didn't know that. I was like, that took me off guard, surprised me. But, so the point is, we need to tell people in the church, you know, encourage, as we use our spiritual gifts, encourage them to use theirs. And I don't think, I think uh, the, um, I'll say American, but it's really a world problem. It's a sin problem. But especially in the American church, you see it, you know, the consumer model of the church and people going to church to get something. And we hear that a lot, but that is a lot of time what's happening people are going to see what they can get out of a church and if the, the church doesn't deliver what they're looking for what do they do go to the next one and then how long are they going to stay there long enough maybe to get some of the things met that they were looking for oh we found this and they're delivering this and we really like that um, but again they're there to get something but that culture is not going to change until every believer starts using a spiritual gift or realizing that they have a spiritual gift and start using it, realizing that they do need to be giving back to the ministry and that they are to minister as well. And that when they come to church, they're being equipped to minister. And that's why they come to church, so they can go out. Before they leave the front door, they can start ministering. And then as they leave the door, the front door, they can start ministering wherever they go to. So I think that would be a fundamental change in the American church culture if we really got this point and started doing this. Yeah. Yeah, so that could be it could be an issue where people just aren't really willing to put in the time. That could happen. Right. Yeah. So really, we're asking the question: How do you fix any church-wide problems that happen? 
How do you fix them? Yeah, well, it's kind of a trick question. We can't, we can't just tighten the bolts and fix it all ourselves. We, it is the Holy Spirit who's ultimately going to work in their hearts for it to be fixed. But yeah, teaching, we do preach the Word of God. And that's our first command to do as a church and as, as preachers. Preach the Word, do it in season, out of season. And keep doing that because times are going to come when they're not going to be able to endure sound doctrine. They're not going to be able to handle it. And they're going to want their ears to be tickled, and they're going to turn aside from the truth. And they're, So you have to preach the Word. You have to do it all the time. People want it when people don't want it. Um, so that's the first thing. Second thing, I think we do need to be talking to people as well, outside the pulpit too. And doing things one-on-one is a helpful thing or in a small group setting or whatever the case is. Um, what I mean is this thing could get contagious. And I think I'm seeing it happen in this church right now, where there's people who weren't very involved. And then I think they're starting to see that they actually are useful. And they think, hey, I think God could use me. And they're getting excited about it, knowing like, hey, I think something's happening here. And the more that happens with individuals, the more it'll spread. Just like a disease doesn't spread in our church, or this church is famous for people getting colds and stomach bugs and spreading it to everybody. You don't just get that by walking in the building once. Everyone in the church has a stomach bug. It doesn't quite happen that way. It happens from personal interaction, people talking, people sharing the same food. (laughs) That's a really bad illustration, but it shows exactly how it happens. So I think these kind of problems that you can face in the church are going to be fixed by preaching the word and that by that trickling through the people, being contagious with the people. So but that takes a lot of time. So I think it, we have to you know, put in the prayer and the time to see, see that through. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's pushed me too. Yeah. Love people. Right. There are things that I might do that I'm so either pleased or explained. Mm-hmm. Sure. You know, pointing out, you know, or modeling this is what it's supposed to Right. Yeah, so it, it it comes it comes first from the preaching of God's word and people are just stating the truth. Like this is what it says. Every believer has a gift. It says this. And then and then talking about why we do this. It's for the edification of the whole body. So with the whole laziness thing, I know that's a huge problem. But we can't just, we can't just say, you're lazy and get over yourself. That doesn't really quite work that way. They need to be quickened inside their, inside their hearts by the Holy Spirit. And that's only going to happen through the Word. You know what I mean? So laziness, that, that kind of stuff really bugs me. <laughs> but I'm learning. We can't. Mm-hmm. They're getting complacent and they're not, they're, there's nothing, they, they don't want to find anything to do outside the church walls. Yeah. 
Yeah, and that's a tough thing. That's a really tough thing. Yeah. And I think the thing, the, the step before this is the main, the Great Commission to make disciples. If we're not making disciples, then we're not going to care about anything else. That's my opinion, or that's what I've seen happen. People, the ch a church, a given church is not making any disciples. No new converts are ever seen. Um, no one is actually involved in discipleship. And they say, well, why do we need to do all this anyway? Let's just turn into a social club, do whatever we want. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yep, that's where we people have been skipping this. They think this is not in step with with relevance. We're not going to get relevant if we start here. Um doctrine come on you know let's just get to the to the activities well <laughs> it's all going to be heartless and empty if you don't have this 